0: This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. Welcome back. This is Dollars and Change on Sirius XM 111. Business radio powered by the Wharton School. And our session is powered by the Wharton Social Impact Initiative. Yes, indeed. I'm Cheryl Kuhlman. And I'm Sandy Hunt. And we're here live every Thursday. And if you want to think about calling in, we've got Kyle Robertson, who's a a student and entrepreneur here at uh, the school. If you want to talk about, uh, have some questions for Kyle, you can give us a call. 1-844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. And Kyle, welcome to the show. He's the founder and editor-in-chief at Start. You, a second year MBA student who finished his finals, has a few papers, and then he <laughs> will be graduating. He looks <laughs> pretty relaxed. He, Hard looks stuff really right with over. Him. he will be graduating this weekend, so it's very exciting that we got him here before he graduates. Thank you so
1: much for waking up moderately early.
0: Yeah, thank you for, <laughs> for having me.
1: This is the season of celebrations and parties, so we'll call we'll call nine thirty <laughs> early for our students who are celebrating their success. <laughs> uh, so, Kyle, let's start. Tell us, you know, at, at, you know fundamentally, what is Start You?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we are a network of 36 campus leads and scouts that identify the most promising startups across uh, the most robust university startup ecosystem. So we're at Harvard, MIT, Penn, Berkeley, and Stanford. So we identify these startups, then we feature content on them. Um, So we sort of find these startups before a venture capitalist would uh, figure figure out what the most promising ones are, and then feature their stories.
1: Excellent. And what was the pain point that caused the creation of StartU? When did it when did you go? Because it not like you weren't doing anything. You
0: were studying. You're doing your classes. Working you're- at Morgan Stanley yeah. in your summer.
1: <laughs> Typical busy Wharton student. But what made what made you say this is necessary to, to put some sweat equity into here?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I came back to business school. I'm a second-year MBA, as mm-hmm. you mentioned. Um, I came back to business school really to immerse myself in the startup ecosystem. Uh, I didn't know if I wanted to be an entrepreneur, if I wanted to be a venture capitalist. I didn't know exactly where I wanted to fall within mm-hmm. that. Uh, But I knew that I wanted to sort of support that early stage entrepreneurial ecosystem. And uh, as you mentioned, I actually spent the summer between the first and second years of business school at Morgan Stanley doing technology investment banking. Um, I think it was a fascinating experience. I think you get a lot of exposure to some great companies. uh, But you're working with some of these later stage companies. So the Ubers of the world, Mm -hmm. the Airbnbs of the world, the companies that, you know, technically they're startups because they're still in the private markets.
1: But. but (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But they're kind of massive behemoths. Yes, right. Uh, No longer in garages. (laughs) Definitely not in garages,
2: especially in this day and age. So, um, you know, I realized that I wasn't, it didn't really make me tick, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I really wanted to get back to to working with really early early stage entrepreneurs. Uh, So when I came back for my second year of business school, I talked to a lot of my friends who were working on companies, and I was like, what are your biggest pain points? Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the things that was consistent across pretty much everyone was sort of a difficulty getting connected to the right people. So uh, the strategic partners, the investors, the people that really could help them push their businesses from zero to one to co Mm Peter or teal. Um, And uh, I want to think about different ways that I could do that. So I uh, started just Sort of playing with different ideas. I started blogging about pen-founded companies specifically. So each Monday, I would feature a different pen-founded company on my personal blog. Um, you know, I would talk to the entrepreneur, do some diligence, uh, help communicate their story, their mission, why they were working on what they were working on, but also delve into my perspective on the strategic landscape, what some of the challenges that that company might have with the market in the coming months, the coming years might be.
1: So you're basically publishing what what investors would call a due diligence process. You're saying not only what does this company do, but what's the market like and how well do they do it and what makes the founding team uniquely qualified, this type of stuff.
2: Exactly. And putting a little more pizzazz in. <laughs> than, than, than a traditional on. investment <laughs> net, yeah. Investment memo, Yeah. Net yeah. Net? We, we try to make it Is fun, that even right? possible? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, exactly. And I think I found that the response was really robust. Um, so you know, I had a ton of inbound from from strategic partners, investors, the, mm. the the community that I really wanted to reach and help these entrepreneurs reach were reaching yeah. out to me and asking to get connected. Oh, to these entrepreneurs. Were you were you, being,
1: were you being really proactive and like emailing newsletters to investors, or or is it clear that they were looking for this content and and hadn't found it anywhere else?
2: You know, I, I was not being as proactive as I probably should have been. So I, I, think, I think they were looking <laughs> for it. That's a good think,
1: market signal.
2: Exactly, exactly. So I think it was clear that there was sort of a, a gap there. Mm. Um, and as I talked to, to friends and folks across some of these other campuses – it became clear to me that this gap didn't just exist at Penn, obviously, but also at some of these other universities. And that was sort of the, the impetus to your original question for uh, launching Start You and assembling a team of 36 across five universities to uncover and feature content on uh, campus founded startups.
1: Yeah. And is there, um, obviously, we, we are coming at this from the social impact angle. We know that's a part of many of the companies featured. Tell us about the trends you're seeing in how. This generation of, of of entrepreneurs, these, you know, I guess technically MBA students are probably on the older end of the millennial, so mm-hmm. we can call them millennials. Are you uh, calling me old? <laughs> no, I am too. I'm like just technically fit in, in the definition. Um, but how are they thinking about impact in a way that you think is different than, um, you know, historically entrepreneurs might have?
2: I think it's just more relevant. Um, I think – historically the, the concept of the double or triple bottom line mm-hmm. wasn't popularized especially right. for entrepreneurs so i think today with the popularization of impact investing uh with the excitement around narratives that not only lead to profit but also lead to social good mm-hmm. um i think that really pushes people to work on companies uh, that are related to that
0: and i li- i like that point about the, the the narratives because you're right that as we and we get the you know select audience as well. But as we're talking to companies, investors, consumers they they want that narrative. They're hungry for more than just a product that they're going to be spending their money on, and they want to sort of understand what what's at the heart of that company. So I think it's
1: always it's interesting around that. I think that's um increasingly something we're seeing. Yeah, absolutely. So, how would you how would you characterize the biggest needs these startups have? So they're on college campuses. Um, is it just MBA schools? MBA uh, no, programs. So we
2: look at uh, the entire university.
1: Okay, so undergrads and MBA. So uh, if you can characterize sort of the greatest needs, what what are they?
2: Oh, great question. I think uh, I think the needs first of all are just much larger than people think they are. Mm. Uh, you know, you have you have folks who you know, think there are only three startups on Penn's campus, for example. There are actually three hundred and ninety six six active startups wow. on University of Pennsylvania's campus. Yeah. Um you know, I, I think you can define active startups different ways, Sure, right? sure, sure. Uh, yeah. But according to Penwor, yeah. do you have a napkin from the bar last night? Where you and your, <laughs> you and your friends talked about this idea? How exactly. much materiality do you need? Exactly. Um, so I think uh I think there's just a ton of challenge. I think people just do not realize how difficult it is. Yeah. I think people see uh the Neil Blumenthal's of Warby Parker mm-hmm. and the the Mark Zuckerbergs of Facebook, yeah. and they think that you know, oh, I have a cool idea, I'll get there, right? Yeah. But it is so difficult, um, especially for students who don't have a track record as a serial entrepreneur to get the attention of these strategic partners mm-hmm. and investors. And I really think that is the biggest pain point. It's really getting to the people that can help you push your business forward and help you finance your business and, and get you connected to the right people because you can have an awesome idea, but everyone sort of has an awesome idea. Yeah. Um, so it's really about the execution and and... and being able to get connected to those people.
1: Yeah, we just had um, some fabulous impact investors on the show, and we often talk about how you know investors are caring more and more, so the supply of capital is increasing, and how will how will um, the entrepreneurial ecosystem respond with uh, great investable opportunities? But what you're saying is there's there's a middle piece. There's how do they find one another. Mm-hmm. Um, has someone not done a dating app style uh, for matching entrepreneurs uh, and investors? As I'm saying this, there you go. there's the three hundred and ninety-seventh startup <laughs> a, a a Penn or Wharton student can start working on. Um Kyle, you're you're referencing strategic partners. Um I think it's easy for folks to imagine why these entrepreneurs need investors, right? Why they need capital. Mm -hmm. What type of strategic partnerships do they need? And and beyond funders, who are the types of folks that they're looking for?
2: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I think it it really depends on the vertical of the business. So I'll sort of give you two examples. Um, One would be like a direct-to-consumer business. So Mm -hmm. there's a company uh, out of Wharton that graduated last year called Harper Wilds. Yes, bras. Yes, bras, exactly. (laughs) Uh, They do direct-to-consumer bras. They're really trying to uh, as they as they say it, uh, take the BS out of bra shopping. Um, exactly. Fair point. Exactly. Um, <laughs> And they have and,
1: a big eye towards diversity, right? Uh, yeah, I, I think absolutely. they make bras in like skin tone. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, that you know, uh, that, not, that, that not just, one yeah. color of skin yeah. tone, right? They do.
2: They do. Um, and they're really trying to, to drive prices down mm-hmm. as well. I mean, I think uh, I'm, I'm getting on a tangent, now, but I think that you know, Victoria's Secret has has a large part of the market share Mm -hmm. um, in in the bra market specifically. Uh, And I think it's it's the message that they're sending is catered towards a sexualized view of a woman, Mm -hmm. right? So I think they're really trying to take that out. Um, They actually have a really funny ad uh, that compares, uh, you know, the way that bras are bought today to the way that you could buy boxers for men. Uh, and like sexualizing it, so. Oh, fine. Uh, We'll have yeah. to look for that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But to your to your original question around um... that'll
1: get us some Twitter followers. <laughs> let's, tweet, let's tweet that. You us <laughs> in Maybe exactly. some attention from the university as <laughs> well. Yeah. It was
2: a mention mention of the New York Times. So, oh, nice. uh, yeah, they're doing something Inca right. Company. Exactly. So that's
1: one example. So what did what did they need? What were some of the strategic partners that were valuable to a, a business to you know B to C business to consumer product like that?
2: Yeah, I think uh, I think the challenges are for the. On the strategic partner side are actually less on on the consumer side but uh for them it's it's building those relationships with the manufacturer especially when you're a small startup Mm -hmm. right like at first you don't have the scale you don't have the order so getting a uh a manufacturer like
1: manufacturer exactly
2: to even take your orders is incredibly difficult so it's it's Requires a ton of scrappiness, yeah. I think. And and Jane and Jenna, who are the founders of Harper Wild, have that. Yeah. Um, so they were able to get there. But it requires a lot of scrappiness. Yeah. And not, then-
1: not to make this a show entirely about women's undergarments, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but we had the chance to hear Sarah Blakely, the founder of Spanx, uh, speak. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and And part of her story is that the yeah. supplier who ended up producing her first sort of like batch of products that allowed her to go to market, right? Because you're not – Often entrepreneurs aren't making these products themselves physically. They need to like link in yeah, to some, some to major, make him, right. major production facility. I mean, she
0: wasn't sitting in her kitchen. <laughs> well, her story, she did, she cut
1: <laughs> off pantyhose, and that was sort of the anyway. But she hired me to that exactly. <laughs> she said, and uh, we'll have to like find and tweet the story to make sure I have it accurate. But the the production facility, uh, the owner had daughters and he came home and at dinner told this story like this woman wants to make basically footless pantyhose like who'd want pantyhose if they're not visible and the daughters were like do it do it do it like (laughs) we want that and so he took the business and he made these first runs of her product but if not for those daughters if not for the dinner table conversation you know that might have just been a rejection and the the cost is so high to entrepreneurs to be able to sort of link in so um, very interesting dynamic we don't often talk about. How do you get to those mm-hmm. suppliers? You're um, listening
0: to Dollars and Change on Sirius XM 111, business radio powered by the Wharton School. We're talking with Kyle Robertson, who's the founder and editor-in-chief at StartU about startups about on women's campus women's undergarments. About undergarments. <laughs> if you wear women's undergarments, give us a call at 1-844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. So, I mean, it's a great discussion, really, about... Um, the The kind of passion that entrepreneurs are having, and some of the challenges that that they face, and a lot of these are, you know, student entre- entrepreneurs, which are even more interesting because they're going to class, doing some homework, having fun, and starting businesses. Probably in that in what order? Reverse order. <laughs> <laughs> reverse order. Yeah, they're, they're, they're starting their businesses, having fun, and going
1: to class. So it sound, uh, Kyle. You had a second example.
2: Yeah, yeah, second example, um, and this sort of gets the social impact point as well. Uh, is a company called Yersher. Um So the the founder is actually out of Penn Med uh, as well as the Harvard Kennedy School. But he um, slacker, exactly.
1: <laughs> one of the one of those really easygoing dual degree
2: students. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, but the company he's working on is basically an, an adherence test. Uh, it's a urine test for. Um, for a drug called PrEP, which is a drug that, uh, if you take it daily, prevents uh, the contraction of HIV. Um, uh. So uh, for him, the partnerships are more on like the medical side, so uh-huh. building partnerships with the medical providers and that kind of thing, which is incredibly difficult uh, with all the rel- re- regulation around the industry sure. um, and that kind of thing. So uh you know one thing that I was actually really excited about when I sort of was ideating the concept for Start You mm-hmm. was that he reached out to me after I I I uh posted about his company um and told me that he got like a pretty pretty rock star partnership as a result Fantastic. of the piece. So that was part of the, the validation for the concept mm-hmm. of launching Star You.
1: Well I mean it's it's it is a great idea. When Sandy showed up to me it was like, damn
0: that's great. That's a really I was good like, idea. Cheryl
1: I think my first question was like has someone else done this? Like it's one of these ideas that sounds so simple. Like, yeah, there are great startups happening on campuses. Investors need to sort of one-stop shop. And I was like, I think this is the first I've heard of it,
0: but shortly this must have been like done. A so. And I was I was just going to go to that point about the importance of making it easy for investors, mm-hmm. right? Because they're busy trying to find all of these things. They're, they're scouring the you know, the sort of newspapers, et cetera. If you can make it easy for them to sort of
1: find out where these great investments are, mm-hmm. that's, that's a really important pain point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, are you hearing, Kyle, at all from investors about what? Parts of your content are valuable, so we talk about the diligence process. You know, investors, of course, will go through their own diligence before they invest. But um, what what's getting their attention? What you know, angles of the story, what pieces of the pizzazz seem to be uh, jumping off the page to the investor community?
2: Yeah, um, I think there's a number of different things, sort of takeaways that I've had from from the feedback we've gotten from investors. Uh, I think one is that investors just want to invest in blockchain companies. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, where are the blockchain companies? (laughs) I'm like, there are good companies that are not blockchain. (laughs) Um, So it's funny because investors, VC investors in particular, will always say like, uh, entrepreneurs should find a problem and then yes. uh, look for a solution to that problem. Oh, right? Please, yes. Yes. Um, exactly. But then they're asking for blockchain companies regardless of what the problem right. is. Right. So it's like, well, you're kind of doing the opposite. Um, of But it's blockchain what you're for blockchain. We're in.
1: Yeah, right, we're in. <laughs> exactly. It's blockchain for cats. <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. Ten million. Exactly. Um, exactly. All right. So so, so they're particular. Yeah. They're particular. Um. You know. Uh, what would we call blockchain? In particular, tools that are are catching attention right now, like blockchain. How can that be you know, utilized across different um, sectors? Anything else that investors are looking for or particularly gravitating to?
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a couple of other takeaways that I would note um... – one is investors like people. Are, investors are people, right? <laughs> um, you know. You heard it. Yeah. You, <laughs> you heard, heard it here first. <laughs> this was an amazing revelation. <laughs> I'm a genius. <laughs> <Award> <laughs> investors in the are LA. people. There you go. <laughs> but but. Like like all of us, uh, they want to hear a narrative. They mm-hmm. want to understand why the entrepreneurs are working with their work, mm-hmm. what working on what they're working on. Because, you know, when they're investing in these companies, especially the really early stage companies, mm-hmm. the the sort of seed investments, maybe the Series A investments as well, um, they are really investing in the founders. Yes. Yeah. Um, so they want to know that the founders have a really compelling reason mm-hmm. to work on this and a really compelling reason that they're the right people to work mm-hmm. on this. So I think bringing that narrative to them is really exciting. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, go and, ahead. And I
1: hear a lot of folks sort of write, they hear that and then they write it off as like the just the marketing angle of the entrepreneur's narrative. But what I think is uh, why why the investors actually care more is, it's really hard to start a company. Being an entrepreneur is incredibly difficult. And if you are doing it just because, I don't know, I had this idea, and you're not emotionally invested or knowledgeable in some deep way, it's much more likely that you're just going to drop it when it gets hard. But it's also interesting, too, because what we know is that often there's, there are
0: significant pivots that happen, uh-huh. right? Yep. And so you want the entrepreneur who, in one sense, sort of smart, has passion, has yep. an idea, but is also willing to Mm. sort of
1: get trained a little bit and say, that might not work. Will you change it this way? Maybe it's passionate about the issue rather than the product. Yeah. because we've we've seen a lot of right pivots necessary. I really care about, uh, you know, water pollution. Well, tried this, didn't work. Tried this, didn't work. But that expertise keeps you hungry and and committed. Interesting. Very cool. Um, Are you seeing a shift in how the narratives are presented over, you know, over the years?
2: That's a good question. Like there's I
1: think, so much media now that you can use. Yeah.
2: Yes. Yes. Uh, so in terms of medium, mm. I think uh, video is definitely you know more popular, and we're looking at getting into video. Oh, um, in, in a more serious way, we recently launched a podcast. Actually, uh, one of my colleagues uh, at StartU, his name is John Ham, but he's actually also a Wharton MBA student. Nice. Um, he just just launched uh, a podcast. So I think that that's exciting, and people are definitely excited about uh, podcast and video content. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that's the short, short answer.
0: Yes. Yeah. So let me raise the question. You're graduating. What, what's going to happen
1: to Start You? <laughs> it dies. No, I'm <laughs> <kidding>.
2: <laughs> I mean, Start You is not me, right? Start You is a network of 36 people. Uh-huh. So uh, when I graduate, I plan to stay heavily involved, um, especially in the expansion side of things uh, and really making sure that we're continuing to uncover the truly most promising startups at each of these schools and making sure they they get connected to the right audiences um, and also building out our presences across multiple. Uh, Multiple universities. That said, um, you know, I really see this as a student-run publication. I think there's something about being a student that allows you to be ears to the ground and figure yeah. out mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. the most promising companies are. Uh, so I have, you know, a, a leadership team in mind for this upcoming year, and you know, they know who they are. Uh, <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> they, they know who they are, and that uh, I, you know, one of the things that I'm most excited about this is we really do have. Uh, the most awesome 36 people on our team. Like, they are
0: just I would incredible. imagine. It sounds
1: like it sounds like a great gig. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think your point is a really good one, that it takes the eyes and ears on the campus. Because what else are you looking at otherwise? Their webpage and their Twitter? Like, you need to know these people mm-hmm. and see how long they've been at it and, you know... You take classes with them. You hear the questions they ask. You see what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. all of those sort of intangibles. They're
0: real in a different way. So what's the uh, website? Where do people find StartU?
2: Yeah, you can find us at the, that's T-H-E, startu.com. Um, StartU.com was too expensive, so, <laughs> <laughs> so we're the StartU.com. There so definitely go. find us there. We also have a weekly newsletter, so if you go to the StartU.com/slash subscribe, oh, um, you can subscribe to that as well. well we I will
1: think do, that. That. We'll we'll do have that to get a few of these folks on the on the air. I as know, well. I know,
0: I know. That's that's good. And and so um, in just the the remaining you know minute and a half that we have, what what advice would you give to an entrepreneur who's sort of inspired by StartU, thinking about this? And wanting to say, look, you've been talking. You've got all these people that you've got contacts with. What, what advice would you give me?
2: I would say, don't be scared to just dive in, um, because it's really scary. Because w- when you're starting a company, you just have no idea what's going to happen really all you have is you um so don't be scared to dive in and dive in head first because you see folks who don't dive in head first they sort of dive in like uh, sideways like uh-huh. uh-huh. one toe in
1: the water kind of thing and
2: that just does not work you can't uh, you can't go and you know work for McKinsey and also work on your company on the side you really do have to dive in head first and the entrepreneurs that I've seen be incredibly successful like Harper Wild the bra entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and others um, you know, those folks really dived in at first. Yeah,
0: yeah. And one of the I was given advice by somebody who was uh, an entrepreneur. He's like, "This is the best time to do the dive in." You know, because some people say, "I'll do, I'll do it halfway, and then I'll wait till I'm more stable and do it." No, now's the time to do it. You mm-hmm. often don't have mortgages, children, yeah. career commitments, et cetera. You can take that chance. Absolutely. So this has been. This has been great. Well, we're reaching the end of the segment. I want to say thank you to Kyle Robertson for joining us in studio, founder and editor-in-chief at StartU, which is com. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.